Amen. Thank you so much for sharing today in music. We've had a wonderful morning in the Lord already. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 122, Psalm 122. We're going to look at the first five verses of this particular psalm this morning, okay? Uh, I was uh, challenged this week, uh, like the rest of you were, in the sense of what was going on around us. And uh, we've uh, worshipped last Sunday. I was trying to share with you from the subject matter of Thanksgiving. And if you remember any of that last week, we talked about how that we could be thankful for the places that we've been, for the people that we know, for the principles that we have that guide us, but also the power in which God leads us through our journey daily. Well, as I was reminding myself about that, uh, it's been a little different week, has it not? Some of us were talking in the hallway this morning, and we were thinking about how we had not uh, had to so-called work uh, over the last four or five days. And for we preachers, that's unusual Uh, because, you know, our our work comes only on Sunday anyway. So, uh, my mind was on this verse here in the first verse there of Psalm 122, as you follow it with me. When the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now, as you have your Bibles open, you can read the following verses that would complete that psalm in its entire context. However, in the time that I share with you this morning, I want to just preach to you from the subject of worship. And then I hyphenate that and say, coming before the Lord. I'm sure most all of you could write the lesson or you could write the sermon on the book concerning worship. And how would I know that? Because you probably have a particular worship experience in mind that was so real and personal and you would probably be able to give us whether uh, four or five paragraphs of it or four or five sentences, uh, you would give us some detail about a particular worship experience. Now as I begin to meditate on this and think on this and again uh, put my words uh, in or uh, onto paper but then likewise try to spontaneously fill in the blanks a little bit. I thought about a couple of other phrases that we could find in the psalm. You remember the psalmist said, Enter into his gates uh, with thanksgiving and into his courts uh, with praise. Yes, I might have read that verse last week. It is still real, and the reason behind... uh, That is simply because there is a notation there that I think uh, gives us a beautiful description there of what I would consider worship. 
Now Exodus 34 and 14 says, For thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Well, be well that we remember that, would it not? And that simply means that you don't have to carve a God out of wood. You do not necessarily have to go and chisel a God out of stone or throw your jewelry in the fire like happened there with Aaron and the children of Israel. Anything that we allow to come between God and ourselves literally is recognized as a God. Church, this morning, you and I are here today because, in part, it is the thing to do. It is something that we have done through our lives. It is something that is ingrained in our hearts. And because of that, we might be like the psalmist when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm not going to get into preparation to go to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to get into anticipation of going to the house of the Lord. I want to take three little words, uh, and let's look at that in a moment, uh, about what worship is and who uh, we are worshiping. I first was looking in John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26, If you remember the Gospel of John, you remember that Jesus came in contact that day with a lady, and she was a lady there who had uh, came to the well to draw her water, and as she came that day, the Scripture said that she brought up the subject there of worship. Now, as we look at it in John 14, I'll read a couple of verses. Uh, She said... uh, There unto Jesus, uh, that uh, our people say you worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. Now, folks, I I like that. Why? Because sometimes we're, we're in that mindset of trying to attach either place or people. We're trying to attach something to our worship that literally would define it or in its own way, describe it. I like how Jesus answered her. Jesus just simply said, You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they... That uh, He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to give you a few thoughts there, and you carry it home. You can work on it and have fun with it. In John chapter 4, verse 19 through 26, He gives us about five different things about worship. He gives us the who, He gives us the what, He gives us the where, the when, and the why. And if you want to work on that and you didn't get all of those W's, uh, I'll send them to you uh, that you can look it up. I see that Jesus uh, was giving a beautiful expression of worship. He did it in a fashion with words. And as he did it with his words, uh, 
He did it so convincingly that this lady became one of the first missionaries, uh, I think, because she carries that message of Jesus into town. And then that day many became believers. And the scripture bears testimony of that. This morning in Brother Clint's time of giving us uh, their, the mission study, he made a reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And with that, he read to us uh, a portion there, and I want to just read a pinch of that as well. Uh, Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, said, uh, their concerning life, 9 and 19. For though I'm free from all men, yet have I made myself servant to all, that I might gain the more. He goes on and he comes down to verse 22. He said, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might all, by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof. Folks, that was so personal to me when he said that this morning till I reached back and I rehearsed it in my ear. Why? Because of verse 23. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. You know what I think our public worship is a sign there, and I hope our desire is that we do it for the gospel's sake, okay? I look out among you today, and I see you. I know some of you are visiting with us uh, for the child dedication. We're grateful you're here. Others of you have been visiting with us over the weeks, and now maybe months, and I recognize that. Some of you, however, have worshiped faithfully for, for decades now at Second Baptist Church, and I do commend you for that. But we should see, and I pray we see, that we do it for the gospel's sake, okay? Now with that in mind, the psalmist again said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I want to give you the first increment I think about when I see that. And I believe I can see it from the psalmist's particular point of view. And that is, uh, in our worship, there is a celebration, okay? Some of you are quite like me, almost. Uh, you, you have got enough of football over the last few days. Now, I know your wives, uh, like mine, quite possibly are saying, Thank y'all, this stuff's about over. The, the reason I mention that is there's so much celebration in that. If you don't believe that, you just try to watch about 15 minutes of it. And you'll see the players celebrate. You'll see the stands and the fans celebrate. But friend, the, the, the true thing that we find in worship here is that this is to be a celebration of itself. Why? The psalmist said it was. I was glad when they said unto me, now, I underlined a few words there, one particularly in Psalm 122.1, and that was glad. 
You know, uh, it is said of uh, one uh, years ago, uh, it is said that there was a particular fella who had told his wife on the Saturday before worship on Sunday not to pick his clothes out. He wasn't going tomorrow. And he persisted, and, sh- and he persisted. He, she, he said to her, well, give me a couple of reasons why I should go. And she began to meditate on that and think about it. And she said, well, first of all, it's the Lord's Day. You should be there. Secondly, she gave him some other excuse. And she said, well, finally, third, you are the pastor. (laughs) You say, is it always celebration? You know, let me just be honest with you. There might be some days when even the pastors don't recognize the gladness of coming to the house of the Lord. Don't beat yourself up because you have that morning. Why? Because worship here is truly to be a celebration. Now, I'm not saying that we should act like the fan or the fanatic in that stadium that was holding 100,000 people yesterday. I'm not advocating that. I tell you what I am advocating, I'm advocating that we likewise, as Jesus said to the lady there in John 4, that he is a spirit and we should be worshiping him in spirit. But let me just say, even through the spirit there of the living God, Psalm 100 verse 4, I'm sure I've read this verse to you lately. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful and bless his name. That is another worship uh, setting, is it not? Now again, I underlined some words in the notes that I have. I did not underline them in the PowerPoint notes. But notice, uh, the first word of action there is enter. That simply means that we've got to do something, haven't we? That means we've got to make action. But when we enter into his gates, look at these words, thanksgiving, praise, be thankful, bless. Oh, I'm excited to tell you today, church, uh, that uh, he was not just writing about the days uh, in which the Psalms were being written. He was writing to those of us who are living in these days. Why? that we might recognize that we have came to the Lord's house uh, with a spirit there of worship which would be exemplified through celebration. I was glad, he said. Again, he said, be thankful, bless his name. Charles Schwab said, He was the American industrialist who rose from poverty, later founded the U.S. Steel Corporation. He said, you can succeed at almost anything for which you have unlimited enthusiasm. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great was ever achieved without without enthusiasm. Norman Vincent Peale said, years wrinkle the skin but lack of enthusiasm wrinkles the soul. Henry David Thoreau said, None are so old as those whom have outlived enthusiasm. We could say lots of things. We could repeat things that we've heard. But ladies and gentlemen, let me encourage you to know today, 
on this day of the end of Thanksgiving week, uh, many of us made our preparation yesterday uh, and we prepared for this day. Why? Because it's the Lord's day and we said it is good, uh, or like the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, I must confess, when I was a child growing up in a Christian home, yes, my mom and dad, they saw fit to that. And you know, never a time in our lives was one of us left at home because we knew my dad was always the early bird. If we were not 30 minutes early, we were late. But we all knew we'd better be in that car because he would leave at a certain time. You know what? I can honestly confess, as a lad growing up, I probably wasn't always glad to be there. But I can say now, praise the Lord for parents who faithfully exemplified that in our face and in our sight. And we learned that worship is celebration. There's a couple of other words. I told you I was only going to use two or three. But let me remind you, the second word is commemoration. Not only just celebration, but commemoration. As I was reminding myself this week, uh, I was beginning to even focus on the Christmas story a little bit. Now you remember that if there's one word in the Christmas story that we think we cannot live without that word being there is joy. If we notice the story of the season that we're blending into now, we'll notice that even those worship experiences of the Christmas story was one of joy as well. Giving you a thought on worship again. Why worship? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I looked uh, this week and worship. The English word worship is only in the Bible 108 times in the KJV. Now, that doesn't mean there was only 108 worship experiences. Please don't go away saying Pastor Derwin said that. I'm saying that the use of that English word in that form is there only that many times. Matter of fact, in the uh, series of Bible studies, uh, Bible Studies for Life, we finished up this morning in Genesis 22. We finished up, and that was the, uh, one of the experiences that we can find uh, there of worship in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it's the first use of the word. Genesis 22.5 said, Abram said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. That's exactly what he said. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You can't preach that. I've just finished teaching it. But Abram went to the place of worship, and there was a singleness of heart about it. Think with me about commemoration. I was glad when they said unto me that we go into the house of the Lord. Yes, there are other phrases there. Verse 3 talks about Jerusalem as a, as a city that is compact together. 
It talks about the tribes going up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel. Revelation 22, 8 says, And I, John, saw these things, I heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then said he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. As we think about worship today, not only is it to be a time there uh, in which there is joy, in which there is celebration, but also we should come for the purpose of commemoration. In other words, recognizing our Lord, recognizing uh, who He is, what He has done. It is sad, but I think true today, that uh, people, when we come to worship, uh, many are more concerned about style than we are substance. Now, if you don't know what I mean, we get so married to the type of the service that we forget uh, of whom we're coming to worship. Now, I'm not saying all of us are like that. If you read much, if you follow many people, you discover quickly that uh, before you know it, methodology has become the sacred thought of the day. People think about more of methodology and polity and these types of things. But it should be a time of commemoration, should it not? You know, we didn't print a bulletin for almost over a year, and we still have worship. Can you imagine that? Wow. Never had anybody beat me up about where the bulletins were. They would ask once in a while. Now we've gone back to them. What has changed since we did? Nothing. And the reason I say that is simply because we hope there can be some spontaneity in our worship. Why? Because, hey, the Spirit is at work all through that hour, is He not? Or all through that two hours. I was watching a service on uh, YouTube the other day, and I'll not call the church, and I'll not name the pastor, but it so happened to be a homecoming service, and I noticed when that uh, YouTube channel started, and I noticed when he they were singing the invitation, and friend, it was an hour and 45 minutes. That's something like they do in Jamaica or Africa. I'm not making fun of that. You know, I'm just trying to share with you the reality of it is that surely the methodology, someone would say, we don't do it that way here. Many people are hung up on contemporary things. I looked up the word contemporary this week, and you know what it says? Current, fashionable, or up-to-date. Many get hung up on traditional. I looked that up. You know what it meant? Old-style, old-fashioned outdated. Now, friend, I took offense to that. But then again, I have to recognize that according to my birthday, I reckon I must fit in that old category. When I started coloring my hair white, people wondered why. And I said, well, it happened about 32 years old. You know, you read about churches being liturgical. Almost like we need to pull out the dictionary again or the thesaurus and say, 
Wow, what does that mean? Ceremonial? Sacramental? Even in one place I read, in short, worship is an internal experience that takes place in the inner being of human beings. Liturgy consists in the external forms and rituals believers use in their worship and ceremonies. I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you something to chew on today. Seriously, think about it as well sometime that we remember that in worship there's celebration. In worship there's commemoration. I love it simply because, hey folks, we don't just come to our worship scenes that we tell good stories. I like stories. But we really come to lift up the name of Jesus and to recognize that He is still sovereign and absolutely in control. I love the fact that worship gives us a place of commemoration. Death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we've been doing two services now. No, not quite two years. We did it first because of need to try to space out. Uh, we've continued to do it because uh, people like it largely. Uh, we do, somebody said, but we do the same things. Well, that goes to tell us it's not divisive. I preach the same sermon at eight, I mean, 9 o'clock. We sing the same hymns and very little difference. Why do we do that? Did you know the, the Jewish men in the times, and probably still, did you know all of the Jewish men were only required to go to the temple together three times each year? I didn't say that's the only times they went, but they were required only to come together three times in a year. What feast was it, Pastor? First of all, these pilgrim feasts were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. They've come all together on those three feasts of the year. So, what do we learn from that? Almost every time we come to worship, if you look around, there's going to be new faces, right? I loved it a couple of weeks ago when a bunch of you were up and you were moving around and you were getting to know some of our newer members. It was, it was beautiful. I close with this thought. In worship, there's celebration. In worship, there's commemoration. But also in worship, there is continuation. Yes, Back when the pandemic started, it really, really challenged our creativity. Worship, in some senses, became disconnected, but it wasn't discontinued. Worship became a little disengaged, but it wasn't disbanded. Worship became decisive, but it never was divisive. Aren't you glad that really and truly worship cannot be stopped. What did we hear coming out of Afghanistan some months ago? When the Afghans were taking back over, what did we hear? The church went somewhere. Where did they go? Underground. No, not literally. They didn't dig a hole probably and bury their head in it. 
what they did is they found a way to keep worshiping much to the cost of lives. I close with this thought. There in, in worship, there's continuation. The psalmist said in 104.33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Psalm 116 and 2, Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Folks, what could call you to quit worshiping our sovereign God? Is there anything that could cause you to just stop worshiping? I hope there's nothing. You know, some of the people that I've known in life that were very dear, sainted people, they came to a point in their life they might not could be actively engaged publicly. As a matter of fact, you might not recognize it. Some of you might have read it. The flowers today on the sanctuary table, they're honoring the life of one of our old members, 96 years old. Did you read that part? Florence Bowman. Miss Florence called me two or three days ago and she wanted me to know that she had taken a fall. She was all right. She hadn't broken nothing. But anyway, she just wanted Debbie and I to know. You know, one of the hardest things that we see with some of those folks that can't come is how much they miss it. But folks, they're, believe me, even though they're home, they're still engaged in as much as they can. This thing called worship, never is it to have an end to it. So therefore, as we close today, I think one of the things that we need to be reminded of is our worship, private and public, is an inspiration to other people as we take this journey. Would you bow your head with me?